This episode is brought to you by Dr. Kate Wiggin, Chief Medical Officer of Naturopathic Health Connection and For My Clinic Inlaid Hyperbarics in Vancouver, Washington. Trust me, she's a doctor you want to know. I personally get to experience and witness her magical insights every single day. If you are looking for a doctor that will listen to your concerns and address your unique medical issues, let Dr. Kate and her more than three decades of medical training help you with your pain, inflammation, autoimmune disease, traumatic brain injury, cancer, or any other complex medical issue via IV therapy and so many other modalities. Contact Dr. Kate to start feeling better today at 360-213-1226, or you can also find her at drkatewiggin.com. Dr. Kate treats people, not diseases. You're listening to Into the Light with Crazy Kate, the podcast that helps you feed your wellness empowers you to tap into your inner healer and live a more imperfectly balanced and healthy life. And what about the aliens? Yep, we're definitely going to have some fun along the way too. Now let's freaking send it. Welcome friends to Into the Light with Crazy Kate podcast. And I am so excited about today because it is not only my first ever long distance interview type format uh, with video. Uh, I also have an official special guest today and it's very spontaneous. We just planned this a few days ago, barely. Um, Sitting next to me is Dr. Alexander Borsand. He is a board certified lifestyle medicine physician who, like I said, I just met a few days ago and it was while attending a a hyperbaric, also known as HBOT, training course that was led by Dr. Jason Saunders and his team. And we were in sunny Florida. uh, And it was definitely a one of a kind event. And first of its kind as well. And we got to experience a very intensive four day training course. And yeah. (laughs) And during that time, we also made some pretty powerful connections with everybody that had attended the event. And it was our last day there. We all kind of ended up mingling out by the pool, hanging out, decompressing. And um, I ended up meeting Dr. Alexander and we kind of fell into some awesome conversation. Uh, I think it uh, initially started around talking about sunscreen because we're all out in the sun. We're in Florida. Of course, we're talking about sunscreen. Right. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for being here. Talking to everybody and... As we started talking about this, I, I, it's funny that we started talking about sunscreen. It's funny that that's how this all started because everybody had a little bit of a different approach. And we're talking with medical professionals, we're talking with chiropractors, we're talking to everybody across the gamut, and everybody thought it was a little bit different about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my belief was a little bit outside of some of the others. A lot of people believe you need to use the healthiest sunscreen all the time. And we're talking about your zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Yeah. And I hate sunscreens. I, I just, I hate them. I put it on, I become an abominable snowman. I'm just, <laughs> I can feel it all day. And every picture I take, I'm like, oh, that sunscreen looks ridiculous. It gets in those little folds up here. So I've always makes my wrinkles look worse. 
So I, I believe, and what I said everybody said right there was that I think the sunscreen that works best for you mm-hmm. is one that you'll use. Yeah. And if it has avobenzone and uh, phthalates and things that we know are mm-hmm. bad for us, mm-hmm. is that as bad as the possibility of getting skin cancer? Right. And that was the, t- the topic that kind of led us into talking about everything else in the world, right? Um, and so we talked about kind of the difference of, you know, what's, what's going to be worse, whether it's sunscreen that you're, that you're going to use, what your skin is absorbing. Do we also need sunlight in our lives, you know, like with bare skin to absorb all of the beneficial rays as well. And and we do talk about that. We do talk about, they say, you you need 15 minutes in the sun to get the Mm -hmm. correct amount of vitamin D. Mm -hmm. What does that change if you're wearing sunscreen? You should be putting on sunscreen every day. The last thing I do before I leave the house, I put on a moisturizer as a little bit of sunscreen. Mm-hmm. So am I getting enough vitamin D through that or am I not? And right. um, the studies out there probably don't really know. I've never read any that said that, mm-hmm. oh, if you put on 45 SPF today, you should get 17 minutes or 18 minutes of sunscreen instead of 15 mm-hmm. or of, sun, of sunlight to really get that level of vitamin D. Yeah. But the end story of all of it is, if you're not getting enough vitamin D, there's major health issues. Major. So how do we find that happy medium? And then I think it kind of threw us into how do we find that balance of living imperfectly healthy in a toxic world, right? You're using that word, using that word balance. I know. And we'll, and we'll get there. Right. <laughs> we'll get to that because I, I think about it every time I say it. Um, and, you know, we were talking about sunlight, sunshine and protecting our skin. And I think I had mentioned to you as well of like, okay, so what are some other healthy habits that we can consider? And I think I brought up the idea of consuming antioxidants to lessen our burn potential as well. And I think that that every dermatologist out there will tell you it's important to have these antioxidants because even if we have sunscreen, we're still getting some UV radiation. Our Mm -hmm. bodies handle that. Mm-hmm. And well, what happens if we get too much radiation? Our cells start to do funky things. Mm-hmm. They don't multiply in the right way. They start to do things that they wouldn't normally do. And now right. all of a sudden we have a, a cell that's become cancerous. Mm-hmm. If we had that level of, of antioxidant, we're talking about vitamin C's or you know, vitamin E, especially for the skin. Mm-hmm. If we had those levels, would that cell have done the same thing? Yeah. It would do it at a much lower level. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not go outside and eat all of your um, antioxidants and your vitamins and skip the sunscreen because I don't think that's true. But I think that by having our body in tune to a level that it can heal itself, it'll do the right thing the majority of the time. The concern is sometimes the cell is going to get a little crazy. Right. And so I think it's important and it's something I talk about on my show and what my mission in the world is, is how can we empower ourselves to take control of our health? We live in a toxic world. I think a lot of us are aware of a lot of the toxins and maybe not to the extent of what we're surrounded by on the daily basis. And there's things we cannot avoid. And so when I brought that up to you, it's like, okay, this is where we're at. How do we empower ourselves, not just with sunscreen, um, you know, knowing that we need to find Okay, I'm going to go back to when we were in conversation and we said we said balance, but does balance exist today? What's your take? No, I mean, no <laughs> balance has never existed. 
I don't care what we're talking about. You can never get true balance. When you think of balance, you can't think of that teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. And one child on one side, one the other, and they're going up and down. But they never sit there and equalize. They're never sitting there and just nobody's touching the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, everything plays a role in this. Is there mm-hmm. balance in your life? Never. It, it's just impossible to find. Every system is constantly trying to find homeostasis, which sounds like balance, but it's really what we both discussed. It's harmony. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing what has to increase, what has to decrease, and how that's going to change. But balance is something we should probably never use uh, when talking about our, our health mm-hmm. um, or teeter-totter. <laughs> I think it's overused, you know, and they say finding balance in your health, finding ba- like work-life balance and stressing over it, right? Yeah. And so and so then that there's that word stress. And we talked about that as well. If and I think it goes back to you were very, you inquired, I talked about how I lived in Panama for a while because we were talking about sun exposure and you asked me how I got to Panama. It led us to talking about in light and then my history of, you know, what I used to deal with, with autoimmunity and immune system issues. And I was always wanting to do better, find ways to heal myself from the inside out. But at the end of the day, I also knew stressing about it was a huge factor. So how could I let go of the things I couldn't control and steer clear of stress? Yeah, and that's, and it takes a lifetime. Figuring out For sure. <laughs> you can't control everything. And right. we talked about so much about environmental medicine. I know we're going to talk quite a bit about that today. There's mm-hmm. so many things out there that are scary. You know, we're yeah. surrounded by all these things that are constantly causing damage to our body. Um, a constant insult that we have to worry about. Mm-hmm. But if we worry about that, does that make things better? And when we talk about this stress, for the vast majority of the time, we're stressing over things that that we really shouldn't. Mm -hmm. We are going to be exposed to air pollution. And Mm -hmm. we can do everything we can to minimize that risk and minimize the amount of pollution we're exposed to. We can move to the right places, but that pollution still finds us. Pollution moves hundreds of miles. If you're living in the U.S., you're getting pollution from other cities. You're getting pollution from other countries. Yes. I brought this up with you as we were talking a little bit about this. I think there's a great story. Uh, it's about what we call dead lakes. Mm-hmm. Dead lakes are lakes that no longer produce um, fish, algae, and otherwise, well, because of environmental and really air pollution. Um, what's the main culprit? Well, fossil fuels. But this isn't from the cars we drive. This is really... From burning coal. Right. Well, you're not burning coal right in your neighborhood. What we found is that the coal that's being burnt in plants hundreds of miles away was getting up to these lakes, specifically the ones up in the Rockies, and now all the fish are dead. And um, it's just really interesting to think about. You you move to the Rockies, you move to somewhere, you've got a cabin at 12,000 feet, you're not by anybody else, the water looks amazing, but now it's to the point that you can't even drink it. Uh, that's a big problem. It is, but is yes. stressing about change that? Right. No. And you have yeah. to understand that you can control some of these things. Mm-hmm. Now, water is always interesting to talk about because I believe we should always be trying to drink cleaner water. Mm-hmm. I will never say anybody, yeah, go ahead and just drink the tap water. I don't know what's in your tap water. Maybe you tested it. Maybe your tap water is much better in your state than it is where I live. It's going to be different know. all over the world, right? Absolutely. So it's understanding what we're dealing with. In that specific area. And so a lot of that understanding comes from testing. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about your water, test your water. 
Mm -hmm. stress over, should I drink this? Should I not? Is this better than buying a a bottle of water? Well, that bottle of water came to me in plastic. Now we're Mm -hmm. stressing over the plastics. Mm -hmm. Um, If we test our water, then we can decide whether we need to make some changes. Yeah. Um, The vast majority of us will need to. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about going buying the biggest, most expensive filtration system or even buying um, pH balanced waters with like the Keegan water and stuff. I think it's called Keegan water. Keegan Um, water. Mm -hmm. And and these things are great, but Mm -hmm. do we all need to jump to that level? Right. I think we need to pick and choose what's going to serve us in that moment. Right. And know that it's a journey and eat, you know, one bite at a time when it comes to our health and overall wellness for sure. So I want to also hone in on, so our listeners kind of know and understand a little bit more about your background, because when we were talking there by the pool and the reason we wanted to get on today and share all this is because it was, it was lit. (laughs) Like it just, we just kept on, kept the conversation going and we knew we wanted to bring it to our listeners so that they could hear what we were talking about. And even in that moment, Mariah, who was there with me, one of my employees, she was ready to go get the mic right there. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Like, I think everyone else around yeah. us, they felt that energy and they realized yeah. that we had a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting by the pool and it became so uh, natural and organic. Right. And then we sit down and try to talk in person. Like, hey, what do we talk about? Um, but yeah, I think it's great to get a little background. So yeah. Hey, so hey. let's, let's hear a little bit about, you know, you have a very unique perspective on all the things, the whole spectrum. So I just want to hear a little bit how you got from A to B. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I'm an allopathic training physician. It means I'm an MD. Um, this is your traditional Western doctor. And usually not your doctor who does a lot of alternative and complementary medicine. Um, I had a lot of exposure to this early on. My father's an osteopath, what we call a DO. And my mother's a Bikram yoga teacher for the last 35 years. I got every end of the spectrum here. And after I finished medical school and even went through my training, um, which is as a board certified lifestyle medicine physician. It's all about preventative medicine. I still didn't have enough. Um, I went to this, I went to the naturopathic community and I uh, wanted to see what they had. And I uh, went to Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine to get more of an understanding of really nutrition. That was my goal. And man, did I get an education. I mean, we don't even touch nutrition in medical school. They say, oh, your patient's diabetic. diabetic. I'm telling them to eat less sugar next and how, how, how well was that worked out right um, diabetics and ever and half the doctors you go to see you look at them you're like you look like you might be one step away from diabetes that which clearly is not working for them but the naturopathic community has a wonderful job of treating this using again nutrition for the get-go but then using botanical medicine you know maybe using homeopathy and some of these other things that i have a little bit less of experience with but my experience there about learning how the body works, not from a Western perspective, but from more from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, it it opened up my eyes to quite a bit. And that pushed me into opening my own clinic, a place called Scottsdale Lifestyle Medicine. Um, Here, I work primarily getting my patients off medication. Most of my patients will come to me and say, hey, I was just prescribed insulin. I don't want to take it. What do we do? I tell them that this is the beginning of your journey. And some of my patients, I have to tell them very unfortunately, you're going to be on insulin early on. Insulin, these type of medications, they're a Band-Aid. A Band-Aid never cured anything. But sometimes it stops us from hurting ourselves more. 
And then we take the next steps to understand why. Why is our body doing this? Well, sometimes it is just eating too much sugar. Rarely is that what I see though. Rarely is that. Because people come to me like, I don't eat candy bars. I said, no, I I don't either. That's not what sugar I'm talking about. Sugar's in everything. It's in the the corn chips you eat, the tortillas. Mm -hmm. And we start to break down their diet. And my patients hate this, but my nutritional assessment, it's 15 pages long. In that time, I make my patients send me a picture of everything that they eat over a 30-day period. No food journals. Food journals are way too easy to cheat. And that's not even cheating and not wanting to tell me the truth. We cheat ourselves. Mm-hmm. We believe that we're doing better than we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe we just don't know. And when you see a photo of everything, it's easy to say, oh, look, look, some of these foods that we think of as healthy are not as healthy as we thought. Um, and I'm not a person that says don't eat fruit. You know, that's very clearly, that's, it makes no sense. Fruit has so many nutrients. But sometimes I have to say, you can't eat four or five apples. It's going yeah. to increase your blood sugar. It's going to depend what level they're at at that point in time when they come to you. Absolutely. So right. that's kind of my background. And my, my background incorporates every aspect of medicine that, you know, that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, using that traditional Western part because some of my patients need that. Yeah. And I don't want to discount that. And it's a tremendous education, but it was never enough. Mm-hmm. That's how we end up with chronic disease in our country. I don't see a lot of naturopaths having to deal with chronic disease with their patients they've dealt with for years mm-hmm. because they've gotten past that point where mm-hmm. Western medicine is very symptomatic. You're feeling this way, we're going to treat that symptom as opposed to getting the root of the problem, figuring out where the problem is. Do you feel like those practices are feeding the chronic problem that we have in our society to not it's, getting well? You see me nodding yes, but in my head, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without... Uh, without being offensive to anybody in these communities. Mm-hmm. Western medicine is doing everything they can with the tools they have. Mm-hmm. But if your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And if you don't reach out to other alternative means that have been effective for people, you're going to see the same problems again and again. And so I don't know very many people in Western medicine that are turning around diabetes for their patients. Yeah, I don't know how many patients I've seen that I've told, yeah, we can turn around your diagnosis. They're like, nobody told me that was possible. They thought they were diabetic, and that means they're diabetic for life. I'm like, absolutely not. Once I get your A1C, your total blood sugar over a three-month period, down below a 5.7 for over one year, we yeah. can turn around your diagnosis. And mm-hmm. then we'll no longer treat you like a diabetic. So, And I see this with my patients. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have permanent. It no. is a tremendous amount of work. And the reality is that just fixing the diet part is not enough. Right. Your body going beat up over a lifetime. We need to work on you know, making sure your pancreas is doing its job. The full picture. It is. And the full picture of a lot of it's up here. So much of it is about mental health. And mm-hmm. you don't want to address that. You go to see your primary care doctor and they mention you're a diabetic. They don't do any counseling in that regard to what that means, right. how that can affect your life, how that can affect your lifespan. Mm-hmm. And now people are left without very many tools. I do so much with my patients. I encourage my patients to do the most random things. And they, they laugh at me. I tell people to sing. You know, when you think about singing, it, it takes you back to chanting and humming, stuff that is part of meditation mm-hmm. and part of mindfulness techniques. We don't feel like you're doing that. You're just singing along with the music. And I don't right. know how many patients have come back and said, you have no idea how much that helped me. 
getting out, singing every day. And then we start to see some changes. It's now, so simple. Say, it's so simple. Yeah. But can I say that the singing cured their diabetes? No, of course not. It got them to the point that they changed how they thought about it. Mm-hmm. And realized that there's other things. Talk about art therapy. Talk about yep. the simplest thing of just journaling. Mm-hmm. Give, me your, give me your feelings about how you feel about diabetes, how you feel about being labeled as a diabetic. Right. Or right. even to the next level, because a lot of my diabetics, my type 2 diabetics, tend mm-hmm. to carry more weight than they'd like. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we're talking about obesity. And right. when someone uses that word, it, it is demoralizing. I don't mm-hmm. use that word in our office. It might be in your medical record because it is a medical term. But when I talk to my patients, I talk about ideal weight, talk about other things, but we don't talk about BMI. BMI is such a joke. And it really is. When mm-hmm. I was in the best shape of my entire life, my BMI said I was overweight, but I was carrying more muscle mass and I'm not very tall. So mm-hmm. my BMI is, is higher. Right. Um, and, are, and are those the types of things we should be focusing on for true? health at the cellular level, right? No, absolutely not. You're 100% right. correct. Right. When we try to measure everything and put a number mm-hmm. in everything, this is mm-hmm. very Western medicine. And great, numbers can help us understand a little bit, but I don't treat a number, I treat my patients. Right. And can you be healthy at different weights? Of course. Mm-hmm. Can you be healthy in all these other regards and not be, you know, within a BMI below 24.9? Mm-hmm. Of course. But Western medicine puts us into categories based on numbers. And if your cholesterol goes above this number, your risk of heart disease goes up. Right. Well, we've, that's not true anymore. Now, when we talk about cholesterol, mm-hmm. if LDL cholesterol, the, the bad cholesterol is over 100, your doctor's going to try to put you on medication. Absolutely. They're going to yeah. say this to protect your heart so you don't have a heart attack, so you don't have a stroke. But just a few years ago, that cutoff used to be 130. What changed? Yeah. Really nothing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is now we check particles, your LDLP, your LDLC. And we found that if you have more than one particle than the other, having an increased LDL is really not that big of a deal. It's not going to be an increased risk for heart disease. Mm-hmm. So am I going to put you on a statin? Hell no. No, I almost never I put a patient on a statin. So, yeah. Well, and that brings up the topic of the pharmaceutical medication as well. You know, I feel like, yes, there's a time and place for things, but we also have to recognize like the toxic component to it. So going back to living in a toxic world, imperfectly thriving, and what are the other things that we talked about in our conversation the other day that we're bombarded with, we're surrounded with, and, and it's not about stressing about it, but it's about knowledge is power. And how can we empower ourselves and our listeners today and people that do want to tune in and learn more and how to like better themselves every day? What are some steps we can take, but also what are the issues that are surrounding us that we're not necessarily thinking about all the time? Like what would be the top five that come to mind for you? Gosh, the top five, let's bring this more to focus of like a environmental, you know, because top five, we could go off anything, but Top five, when I start to think of what are the things that we encounter every day that we have to be concerned about and, and can make changes about. Um, I mean, air pollution is right up there. It's, it's very high on the list. And you start to see some of these countries, and, and I love to travel, but it's interesting. You get to some countries where pollution is not addressed. 
and you can taste the air. Yeah. You can just simply tell, you get home, you're close. And then even if you're wearing a mask, which we've all been doing so much regularly, you'll notice that on the inside of your mask, you see even more of this. Mm -hmm. If it's on the inside of your mask, that means you already inhaled it and it's blowing it out. Your body's already filtered some of that. It's already in you. And so one of the ones we talk about again is sulfur dioxide. This is something that we can modify simply by not living in places that allow us to burn coal or smelting mm -hmm. plants, places like that. But it also brings us to another level of we need to hold our governments accountable. We need to do this, not just the point of I need to change my health and do that. We need to speak to our local facilities or local officials and say, wait, almost like we're, we're okay with them putting a new plant that's going to be doing this here. Maybe that's not healthy for everybody. Right. Um, so air is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Water. I mean, mm -hmm. absolute water makes so much sense. Um, we all drink water every day. If you don't drink Hopefully. Water, <laughs> that's, that's something we could get another topic about. Yeah. I'm, as bad, I'm as bad as just about everybody else. I try to track my water intake, mm -hmm. but that day I know I'm dehydrated. Yeah. Uh, but it's water, not just any water at that point either. No, it's not. It's really not. Um, mm -hmm. If you, if you talked to me 10 years ago about water, I would tell you, I drink tap water all day long. I've done it my whole life. Look at me. I'm just fine. But the reality is that you're looking at me. You're not looking at me at a cellular level. And now that I understand this better, I say, no, there's no way I drink the tap water in the location I'm at. Mm -hmm. I've dipped my water here. I know what's in it. Mm -hmm. And some people get a little concerned about some of the things we even add to our water. And we even talk about fluoride. And, and there's a lot of controversy there. And that's probably where I do fall a little bit more on the Western side of medicine that I think if we can protect people's teeth, that a small level of fluoride in our water is actually fine. I might change that belief as I see more research. Moving forward, we do more research. We should be able to change our opinions about how, how these things affect us. But mm -hmm. look at the water from Flint, Michigan. Now, everybody's heard about this, the level mm -hmm. of lead. And mm -hmm. what did that do to these kids? it affects their brain for the rest of their life. They're never going to be able to live to the potential that they were able to before because we allowed them to get these levels of toxins and everybody knows lead. Lead's been a toxin that we've been concerned about going back 60, 70 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at lead was taken out of paint forever ago. And when, you know, somebody wasn't the brightest kid, they say, oh, did you eat lead chips or paint chips? Right. Um, but the reality is it, it causes that issue. Yeah. So water is such a big one. So as we're going through other ones, we, you know, the air around us, the water, but mm -hmm. food, probably. The agricultural the, issues that we are bombarded with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, I, I pushed all my patients, food is medicine. Yes. And medicine can be good for you. Medicine can be toxic. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love, I eat a primary plant-based diet. I love to talk about this and, and all the things are available and how you can really do this correctly. Mm -hmm. But I read that book not that long ago, The Plant Paradox, and found out I was doing things and eating plants that were causing issues for me. And it was very quickly that I noticed that just by going on the diet he provided, I felt even better. I thought I felt great, then I felt better. So I think mm -hmm. that's great. Ever-expanding knowledge base. Yep. And that's so so where, where do we want to even focus on these? We want to dive into food and talk about 
how dramatic it can be to switch some foods to yeah. uh, organic or not how all foods need to be organic um, or just the fact that growing your own food, whether it's organic or not, mm-hmm. it plays such a role in this. Um, I think, I mean, I think, yeah, I think diving into it would be helpful for some of our listeners to kind of like, I think people have so many questions about food. How important is organic? How important is it to you know, plant-based, we've talked about keto, right? And then there's that component to it. One, in my opinion, one diet, one way of eating, it may be amazing for one person and not amazing for another. It's not a black or white type of conversation, right? It's colorful. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. Um, the mm-hmm. idea with your genetic makeup, my genetic makeup, the backgrounds we've been through, the, the diseases we've lived through and everything else, Mm-hmm. that exactly what I eat would be exactly the right thing for somebody else. Right. And this changes over time. It changes over our age. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of research into this. And some of it, you know, I uh, say I'm ignorant about the, the um, blood type diet. I have read a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that I'm very prof- proficient. I, some people tell me it's a game changer for them. Right. Other people tell me that it knows much difference. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't know as much difference, that means that maybe your gut and your gut biome is a little bit more advanced. It can handle a little bit more of that toxic insult. Right. But for some people, your gut biome needs a little help. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we talk about all the time. Um, mm-hmm. it, gut biome is so interesting. Um, there's more bacteria in your gut than there are people on earth. Mm-hmm. Bacteria are always trying to strive and grow more. And to do that, they require fuel, primarily sugar. So it would stand to reason that if you have a huge amount of bacteria in your gut, and it says, I need more sugar, that message gets to your brain and it pushes you to eat sugar, especially mm-hmm. when we have gut dysbiosis or really just what we mean an overgrowth yeah. of type of bacteria. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's finding an imbalance and you're getting away from the harmony of the good and bad bacteria that you're supposed to have internally. So that's, a, that's a whole conversation in itself. <laughs> It is, it is, but that's the most interesting thing because yeah. as I talk about the right diet for you versus the right diet for me, mm-hmm. probably more to do with our gut biome than almost anything else. Right. Um, I think that if our gut biome is not doing what it should, mm-hmm. it affects so many things. And there's a lot that we talk about. Your, your gut biome is your second brain. There's so much that's made here that affects here. Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't we try to create a little bit better environment? for our, well, our symbiotic um, partners. This, this bacteria is important to your health. You yep. cannot create vitamin K, one of the clotting factors to help you stop bleeding without that gut biome. Mm-hmm. That's why we give vitamin K at birth because they haven't had a chance to build that yet. Yeah. It'll bleed easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things that we talk about in that regard. But when we talk about food specifically, I think that everybody can benefit from the little knowledge of understanding what foods we should organic, what foods probably don't make a big difference. And there's something we talk about, the, the dirty dozen. Are you familiar with this? Heard about the dirty dozen? Yes. Yeah. Most people have their simple things like strawberries. Uh, we talk about spinach, which I eat a huge amount of spinach. I, I love it in absolutely everything. Um, and kale, um, that brings us to all those greens, the collard greens, mm-hmm. um, nectarines. People don't really think about nectarines because, well, yeah, how many nectarines do you eat regularly? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's something we think about apples. Yeah, you know, we talk about an apple a day. 
I hope it doesn't keep you away from me, but at the end of the day, if it does, it's a good thing too. Um, grapes are always right there, cherries. So you're, um, and you're talking about ones that might be higher in the toxicity levels due to pesticides and things like that. Absolutely. These are the mm-hmm. ones always buy mm-hmm. organic, always. Yeah. Um, and that dirty dozen, that list is well available online. Um, you know, things like pears, bell peppers, bell peppers, some that we all eat. And the problem is you go to the grocery store, a regular bell pepper is only 69 cents. Right. And you look at the other one, you're like, they look exactly the same. I wash my food. Mm-hmm. It's really that big a deal. All the research out there says it is. There's right. no research out there that will tell you that organic food in this dirty dozen is not more important. There's nobody out there that will say, oh, no, no, these foods can be another way. Um, and yet our, our, our government, you know, the FDA, they still allow us to use these pesticides. Yeah. So we have to know what really is going to be mm-hmm. toxic to ourselves. And then we get to the point, all right, now we've eaten these toxic foods for the greater part of our life. What do we do next? Do yeah. we? What, uh, what actions can we take to initiate the removal of these toxins, and right? I think, I think, yeah, I think that's a great thing to talk about because mm-hmm. we can stress over all the things here, but why don't we try to take some steps to see if we can remove some toxins? If we remove those toxins, do we feel better? Now, when I use the word toxins, you know, this is a hot button word and, and it's used incorrectly all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, it's hard to find the best way to really focus and say this. And when I tell somebody I want to change the way they're eating or, or do things to remove toxins, I'm usually not talking about detox diets. Um, you will see they're out there every which way. And I think that detox diets in general, they may be effective for some people, they may not be for others, but I think there's some things that can really help outside of trying to go to just a lemon water and celery diet. I think there's a lot that can be done. One of the first things, we gotta sweat. You have to break down your fat, which which holds adipose tissue of fat holds these toxic substances. You got to break it down. And oftentimes, tell my patients, yes, I live in Arizona. You can go outside, be physically active outside. Mm -hmm. Why don't you talk about doing sauna? Sauna is amazing. And then we start talking about what else can be done with sauna. Do you guys do any infrared light sauna at your Oh yeah. I'm a huge believer. In fact, infrared sauna was one of the very first things I was introduced when I was struggling. I think I was like 20 years old. And And you the difference pretty quickly, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah, In fact, my mom, my mom bought one and put it in my bedroom and I, I had access to it and I needed help. And I started using it regularly and huge difference. It doesn't take much. I don't think I had a single patient that that went through the front side and didn't say to me almost right away, I feel better. I feel yeah. different. And yeah. yet Western medicine does not recognize this at all. No. And I do want to, I want to hone in just really quick for our listeners who may not understand the difference between like a regular steam sauna and a far infrared sauna. So a far infrared sauna, the difference is it's actually heating you up from the inside out versus mm-hmm. a steam room, which is heating you up from the outside in. And when you're utilizing the far infrared wavelength, uh, it's basically, it's heating your body up and promoting the release of toxins through your cells or out of your cells via your skin, via that sweat. Yeah, I couldn't and, that Absolutely. I think exactly what you're talking about. So infrared passes through your skin. 
Mm-hmm. Passes through your bone, passes through just about everything. Mm-hmm. That allows it to heat up again at a cellular level. Remember, mm-hmm. inside your bones, it's not that it's just a, a bone that just holds calcium, it's constantly making blood cells. These are brand new cells that have to go throughout your body, they have to carry oxygen to your cells. And if I can heat those up and get them to actually mature correctly and not have some of the issues that we see with these toxins, yeah. it's great. It's amazing what you can do. And I imagine when you do put your patients through this, almost everyone tells you just very quickly, this has been a game changer. Why yeah. did I ever do this in the past? Why didn't I make this a lifestyle a long time ago? And would you agree that, and this is what I've heard and studied, and I could be wrong, but that far infrared heat, so infrared sauna, is one of the only ways that we can actually initiate the detox of heavy metals from our tissues, including other unwanted pathogens. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that is used for heavy metals. And traditionally, especially from the Western medicine perspective, they were trying to get um, heavy metals out of our body through chelation. And chelation is something you almost hear more exclusively in the alternative and complementary world, but chelation therapy is used in Western medicine. It's used poorly and maybe somewhat ineffectively in Western medicine. Mm -hmm. I think that chelating agents are very smart. They grab heavy metals, they drag them with you outside of your body, Mm -hmm. pass it through your urine, and on its way out, that chelating agent stops that heavy metal from really having other effects. And this right. is this is when we get back to chemistry, and we all hated this in school, talking about this bond, covalent bonding to something else, and that affects it and changes it. Mm-hmm. But this is so important to understand because um, you're putting something in your body, a chelating agent that could have it could cause damage. It absolutely yeah. could. Mm-hmm. But when it binds to something else that was causing damage, it can leave your body and neither one causes damage. I draw this back to patients tell me that they're concerned about taking vaccinations because they contain things like mercury. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into the, the concern about vaccination versus non-vaccination, but I want people to understand that because mercury is in your vaccinations, that doesn't scare me. Mercury is toxic. Of course it is. But when we put it in our body and it binds to other things, it becomes non-toxic. When we make a vaccination, it has it in there, it becomes non-toxic. Think of, think of it like this. You would never just drink chlorine, right? I'd hope not. It's going to kill us. Right. And most people don't know this, or maybe some people do, but sodium is also mm-hmm. very toxic. If you put pure sodium on your tongue, it will burn your tongue. You put sodium, pure sodium on water, it will cause fire. But now you take sodium and chlorine to put them together, you get sodium chloride, which is salt, and it's delicious. So we take two very toxic things, put them together, our body handles them differently. It's all about, again, getting back to education. Now, nobody wants to go back to high school chemistry. I know I sure don't. But at the same But knowledge is power at the end of the day. And when you see something that, oh, it contains this, you should be afraid of it, maybe you should. But you need to do your own research to understand that these things don't always cause the same issue as opposed to just, I mean, if you had elemental mercury and you even had it in your hands, I'd be very afraid for you. Yeah. But put it into a, a medicine or otherwise, it might not have the same effect. So mm-hmm. a lot of this can be fear. We make decisions out of fear all the time. And at least that stress that we talk about here and now we're stressing over health instead of actually making changes. And I was just going to ask you, do you feel like the 
emotion of fear leads to our stress, which might be a toxic, a toxic emotion to hold on to. Right. Stress at all different levels. Uh, Sometimes we just talk about physiologic stress. Um, We talk about stress increasing hormones like cortisol. Well, cortisol is your stress hormone Mm -hmm. and it can be concerned if it's too high, but it's also important. Cortisol is what gets you out of bed in the morning. So it gets you up and moving. And in the morning, it promotes lipolysis, the breakdown of fat. Before you eat in the morning, your body is breaking down the fuel it's stored all night so you can make it to that next meal. And that brings into intermittent fasting, something I'm a big fan of. I'm, I'm still fasting right now. So I'm, what I'm, I'm at almost 24 hours on my fast today. Um, and so I'm, I'm a big fan of this. I know mm-hmm. that keeping my cortisol level high it's breaking down my fat inside and using it as a fuel because we all have more fat than we would like. Yep. And why not use that fuel? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot out there on intermittent fasting that doesn't only help you keep a healthy weight, doesn't only help you regulate your blood sugars, but really what it does makes you live longer. There's only one diet that's ever been studied to prolong your life and it's fasting. I'm so fascinated by it. <laughs> It's been a topic that keeps coming up in my world and I do want to tap into it and study it more, you know, when you're talking about diet and what, what's out there, that's going to help promote healing. Yes. It's about losing weight. Yes. It's about breaking down the fatty tissue, but how can we also, um, and this is another thing I wanted to lead into, but activate our natural detoxification pathways. Like our body was built to heal. Our body was naturally designed to deal with unwanted pathogens, toxins, things like that. And I think the biggest problem is, is we are living in an environment today that our body wasn't necessarily equipped to handle. Right. So that's where we're talking about this toxic world. And you, yeah. And you mentioned earlier, you know, when you talk about detox, there's all these different trendy detox things you can do some that are going to be amazing for you. Um, You might feel better after doing like say a three day juice cleanse is it the one all cure all? No. Is it for everybody? No. Um, but other things you need to consider is like you have years and years of toxic buildup. Yes. And if somebody were to be, you know, their toxic levels be a lot higher than another person and they just dove into a detox program without a whole lot of support or knowledge, that's going to be detrimental. So, absolutely, especially. Again, I don't mean to always be picking on my diabetic patients, but the reality is that roughly 70% of my patients are diabetic. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of experience here, but absolutely. Yeah. When my diabetic patients come to me, they say, I want to start fasting. It's a more or less, we have to be a little careful here. Yeah. You can go to the point you have too much sugar to too little sugar, especially mm-hmm. if you're using medications. Mm-hmm. So no, there, there's no one diet for everybody. Um, now, when we start talking about, we have an accumulation of toxins. Our body does not process things the way that it did a hundred years ago. We're constantly evolving. Our body's very smart. These processes take time. Mm-hmm. Now, we've gotten great with technology in the world. And, you know, we've changed the way that we eat. We changed the way our food grows. Whether that's for the better or the worse, I can't always speak to that. But we have genetically modified food, and our body hasn't had a chance to evolve in a way to handle all these foods. It brings us to gluten. Um, I don't believe that everybody is gluten uh, sensitive or intolerant, but when you talk about the gluten in the United States specifically, 
we're talking about that we've changed this dramatically in a short period of time. Right. Exactly. And we're talking about short, I think it's called short round gluten. It grows at a little lower level. It grows faster. So you get a higher crop yield. Mm-hmm. Great. Less people go hungry. That's the goal. That's what our scientists set out to do to mm-hmm. make more food. But they didn't realize that our body probably needed a little bit of time to adjust to that. And many people have not. I never thought it was an issue for me. I cut gluten out. I was wrong. It was an issue. I was just physically active enough and doing everything I needed to do on the rest of my health that I I was doing an okay job. But once yeah. you make it, you're like, oh, oh, shoot. You, we talked about this. We look back at pictures when we thought we were healthy and like, why was I so puffy? Why? Ah, I remember this. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. we look back at times where we assume that we were doing a great job mm-hmm. and realize we weren't. Right. Because uh, the it, comparison it, can be huge. Absolutely. And um, and that brings me back to, yeah, we were talking about that and not really knowing. And your body, like you, we adapt, right? As humans, we adapt. And sometimes we, f- we forget how, how good we were designed to feel and we get used to feeling crappy. And we may not think that that's how we're not supposed to live that way. Right. We forget. <laughs> absolutely not. We're, we're not yeah. supposed to live that way, but we, yeah, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. We get used to it. Mm-hmm. And then things change. You're like, oh, I feel so great today. You're like, well, what did I do? What, what did yeah. I change? What mm-hmm. was it? I think a big part about it is talking about clearance of toxins. Yeah. And so simple things we can do to clear toxins, but by far the most important thing I would want everybody to get out of this is you're not eating enough fiber. None of us do. Mm-hmm. It is very hard to get enough fiber from diet alone. Mm-hmm. And I try to push to all my patients and to all my friends and everybody around me that I want you to get everything you can out of diet. Right. I think that supplementation is um, the, a short-term fix the goal is to get your body to, to work in a way that it doesn't need that. But fiber is probably one of the things I'll say that we do need. Men need 38 grams a day. Women need 25 grams. Mm-hmm. This is our minimum. If you try to add up the amount of fiber that you get in your diet, you'll see it's very shy of that. So I add xylem husk to almost every patient I see. And that's just simply Metamucil. Mm-hmm. But it's great. It, as you take fiber, especially something like silent mouse, it grabs onto other things in our body and draws them with it on the way out. Mm-hmm. You take too much fiber, you feel a mass exodus. We all do. It would have to be on the toilet more time than we'd like. Yeah. But drawing out a lot of water, it's drawing out a lot of cholesterol, it's drawing out other things with you. So the other things I'll talk about here to help increase that clearance of toxins will be other things like fiber. Talk about rice bran fiber. It binds some specific toxins better than other fibers. So even though you already take your metamucil, you have to add more fiber. Now yeah. you can eat bran. Bran is great for you. This will prevent the reabsorption as well. So it's not that this helps get it out. It has a, um, an ability to stop your body from reabsorbing as it exits your body. Mm-hmm. Silent doesn't do that as well. Um, talk about chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is great. Um, I add chlorophyll to my water, and one of the first things you'll notice when you take chlorophyll, if you're somebody like myself that sweats all the time, I'm sure I'm not, not just a little bit. <laughs> but, um, it's the human experience, right? <laughs> but when you're sweating all the time, mm-hmm. 
removing toxins from your body. Those toxins have odor. Sometimes it's just the bacteria that we have on our skin that's normal. Mm-hmm. But I found when I was doing a lot of hot yoga, I noticed my sweat became very malodorous. It was too much. And I started adding chlorophyll. The next day, that smell was gone. Mm-hmm. One day. I mean, it takes no time. The other part about chlorophyll is so great. It promotes oxygenation in our body. And this is something we just went and did this whole conference about, about trying to increase oxygen. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, I'm a big believer in hyperbaric oxygen. I'm now doing that at our, our Serenity um, Hyperbaric Center here in Arizona. But that's coming to me, sitting down, us forcing oxygen to your system. And you can only do that so often. It can be cost prohibitive sometimes. But you can increase your oxygen every day by just increasing your chlorophyll. Yes, that can be done through supplementation. It can also be done simply by eating more greens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's things that we talk about. Detox, and that's another word that's, you know, it's a hot button issue. But when I'm talking about that, I'm usually talking about the liver mm-hmm. and what I want my liver to do. And the way to do that is to increase some enzymes in your liver. These are what we call phase one and phase two enzymes. And research time after time again has shown that green tea extract is phenomenal at this. There is a reason traditional Chinese medicine has been using green tea going back thousands of years. There's a reason that there's areas that we call these blue zones where people live dramatically longer. And one of the things you see in almost all these areas is an increase in the intake of tea, really green tea specifically. It's phenomenal what it does. So Back to daily, daily detox habits, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're, you're daily insult from everything you're drinking, breathing, and eating. You need to daily actively work on promoting your body's natural ability to do it. I'm not telling you that by taking green tea, it's going to flush everything out of your body. It's going to promote your body's best ability through using the liver. And then your liver is going to actually push it through you deep. So you actually um, push these toxins out through your feces, which is a great way to do this instead of trying to let it go through your sweat, which does mean that it can be possibly reabsorbed as well. Right. Right. A lot of things to consider. So much. I, we, could keep going. <laughs> we could talk for hours. And I think we have proved that through several conversations for sure. And I just, I have a few questions I want to ask you as we wrap up. Um, and also, I just want to thank you because your knowledge is vast. It's even more so than I knew going into this. And I tell my listeners all the time, like, I know a lot of things, a little bit about a lot of things. And I'm so grateful for somebody like you, an expert that I can really lean into to get more information. Um, I appreciate that. I, I do. Yeah. And, and it's, it is an ever expanding knowledge base. I don't, yeah. really, I don't pretend to be the expert on everything. I actually would say just like yourself, that I feel like I know a little bit about a lot of things. And I continually want to read new things. Whenever somebody comes out, hey, have you checked out this book and somebody I haven't? I'm the first person to go, let me hop on Amazon, just get it. Right. I absolutely love to have it. And I'll read about it. I may agree, I may disagree. But at the end of the day, at least I've opened up my eyes to something else and mm-hmm. another approach. Yeah. I will never say that my approach to medicine is the right approach. It's what I know best. And I like mm-hmm. those results out yeah. of it. But if we don't try to expand this knowledge base and continue, we're going to become stagnant. And as things change, like our food has changed, if we were trying to do the same treatments that we were doing 100 years ago that we're doing today, we're not going to see the same results. No, we're an ever-evolving species 
on this ever evolving planet. And like you said, it's so important not only to stay open-minded, but to have these discussions, right? Mm -hmm. Like your truth is going to be different than my truth. I hone in on that all the time, but, and and that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have these discussions, we're not going to learn and grow from each other. So I am so grateful. Um, It's been super fun. So you mentioned, so we met at a hyperbaric conference. You mentioned you also are practicing with hyperbaric chambers in your clinic. Absolutely. And so I came to this conference um, really to expand my knowledge base, just like we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, and I, what I really wanted to get out of it was I wanted to learn what else can we treat. So hyperbaric medicine, well, going back to when I was first involved in it, only had seven things that our government would recognize could be treated with hyperbaric medicine. That's going back about 11 years. Now we're up to 14. And this is the 14 modalities, or sorry, 14 diagnoses that our government says we'll pay for people to treat because we see that this can be effective. Mm-hmm. They'll be ever expanding. The international community sees over 150 different things that they believe can be treated with hyperbaric. And I don't want to say that, oh, hyperbaric is a cure-all for everything. But when we start talking about oxygen, it's so important to understand how important oxygen is. And yeah. I, you know, Dr. Saunders, who ran the the training that we did, a man with a tremendous knowledge base, and again, mm-hmm. ever expanding. He just started a PhD program in molecular biology. I mm-hmm. love, I love to see that. Mm-hmm. He got me looking for more programs. But, yep. um, but he said, that he put it in a really decent perspective was that your body needs roughly three things to live. Food, water, oxygen. Mm-hmm. Well, if we stop eating food, we're going to live for roughly weeks to months. People can live without food for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Water, we start talking about days. Oxygen, we're talking about minutes. And your body has no reserve for it. Mm-hmm. So in our body for food, we have a reserve. We have fat. The more fat we have, the more reserve we have, the longer we're going to live. But your body can only bind four molecules of oxygen to your red blood cells or to what we call hemoglobin. And it's constantly giving up that oxygen getting back to your lungs, filling it back up, and then putting that into your tissue. Mm-hmm. What's great about hyperbaric oxygen is we don't, now have, we don't have to rely on your hemoglobin or your red blood cells anymore. We're able to push enough pressure and enough oxygen that now oxygen diffuses into your plasma. Plasma is roughly the water in your blood, which makes up the vast majority of your blood. Mm-hmm. And your body will use that oxygen first. And we could go into this topic forever to talk about how important this is and what can be done with it. This is something that is, I see as the future of medicine yeah. in almost all regards. Mm-hmm. I, cannot, I cannot envision a future that we don't see hyperbaric medicine in almost every facility moving forward. Amen. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited too. Um, and so, like I said, we're here in Arizona. We have a number of chambers we treat people with um, insurance base as well, which a lot of uh, facilities can't do simply right. because sometimes you talk about mild hyperbarics, low pressure, which can mm-hmm. treat amazing number of issues. Some yeah. of my patients need a little bit more pressure. We focus more on that aspect, mm-hmm. but we don't turn anybody away. You want to come to us, want to see if oxygen will help you. I might tell you that we don't know. We don't know for your specific diagnosis, for your specific pathology, if it's going to help, but I can tell you right off the bat, it's not going to hurt. 
Yep. We don't know until we try, until we mm-hmm. dive in and give it that chance too. Absolutely. So where can my listeners find you? SerenityHyperbaricAZ.com. And that's our actual website. But if you look up hyperbaric oxygen here in Arizona, you'll see there's not too many clinics. We are the largest clinic. So we're always happy to help help you. And if, you, if you're somewhere else, need referral to anywhere else, just like if you're up in Washington, we're always happy to send you wherever you're able to get the treatment the best. Yeah, as this industry is growing and we are building these connections, that's why these trainings and conferences are so important, which is how Dr. Alexander and I met. The more that we get to learn about each other and who's out there, we can best refer and be a resource for anybody. People yeah. who, are, who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. And refer, you know that the treatment you're getting here in my clinic mm-hmm. is roughly the same treatment you're going to get in your clinic. We follow the same protocols because they're proven protocols. Yeah. And that's why these are so great because you come to a conference, we all get on the same page. And somebody say, actually, I've been treating it like this and I'm not seeing the same results you are. Maybe yeah. I need to change, or maybe the rest of us say, I'd like to see if we change our protocol to treat like that. Mm-hmm. There's always this called a medicine practice. We're doing everything we can, but at no point do we have all the answers. Anybody who tells you they do have all the answers, I, I run. <laughs> <laughs> I run real fast. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no one cure-all for anything. Hyperbaric mm-hmm. might help you, but I know I can tell my patients without a doubt it's not going to cause more issues. So why don't we give it a try, see if it helps out. We're going to use this with adjunct therapies, other things to make sure that we're treating your gut. If it's a gut issue or concern Mm -hmm. about treating the brain, that's one of the things that I got out of this um, conference we went to is that there's an area in your brain when we have a stroke, a traumatic brain injury, otherwise that doesn't die, but goes to sleep called the penumbrum. Mm -hmm. And, Study after study has shown hyperbaric oxygen can reactivate that area. There's great studies to show with actual imaging and EEGs what it does. Nothing in Western medicine does that. You have a stroke, they say, all right, we'll do supportive care. We'll see what we can do for you. Check back mm-hmm. in on the stroke. We got better. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not enough. It's right. Not. It's not enough. I've seen changes happen from 30 years later down the road. When it comes Ooh, to hyperbaric yeah. oxygen, so that's phenomenal that people in yeah. chronic state will mm-hmm. still see results. Now, of mm-hmm. course, when I see somebody with acute stroke, one of the first things I want to do is I want to bring them in right away. Mm-hmm. And there's some barriers to that. Some of my patients, it's not easy for them to, to get around to ambulate to do this, but I think it's worth it. I absolutely think it's worth it. Yeah. Yep. Always. Doesn't hurt. One more question. Yes. So if you were to pick one secret superpower in how you help to empower your patients to tap into their inner healer, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. One secret superpower they use to tap into that inner healer. And this, this, might, this might sound a little bit too easy, a little bit too basic, but it probably comes just from mindful techniques. My, mindfulness is so important. We need to sit down and, and just... Get outside of our head about all these other things that mm-hmm. that we see every day, and you can have stresses up and down throughout your day, and your body's in response to that. But if you can do some mindful techniques, I I, I think it pays back uh, tenfold. It really does. Mm-hmm. You talk about you talk about in medicine, we're constantly talking about the placebo effect, and is it better than the placebo? Well, people get better with the placebo, and that's because your mind is strong. 
If you can mm -hmm. tap into that, if you can use your body's, your mind's ability to mm -hmm. really heal itself, that's the best medicine out there. Um, I can't build for that, but I'd much rather see. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, totally, I'm right there with you. Same page. All starts with mindset, belief. That's just the beginning. That's number one. And then we can tap into all the other superpowers that we're capable of experiencing. That's awesome. I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I have to ask you this really quick before we jump off. Do you yeah. believe in aliens? Of course. Are you kidding? It's mind blowing that you wouldn't believe in aliens. Um, I look at I look at the stars, and all I can think about there is there's it's so large, it's so expansive. There's so much out there. How how could there not be something else? Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I read something, and I believe this is the absolute proof of aliens. And here's where I'm going to lose all my credibility very quickly. Um, they they found in the Antarctic, they found a meteor, and this meteor they found fossils. Mm -hmm. And so the fossils that were in there were by bacteria. They were what we call cyanobacteria, bacteria that lives off of cyanide. And yes, we do have bacteria on, in our planet that does live off cyanide, nowhere near to where this area would be. Mm. It would be very hard to understand how this rock, where it's at in this area, could ever have bacterial fossils that lived off cyanide that are from our planet. In my mind, that's the very first proof that there are living things on other planets. So we already found aliens. There's mm -hmm. not the aliens we're super excited about yet. <laughs> I don't know. They could be around. And that's when we could dive into the whole energy aspect of it too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll yeah. save that. We'll save that for next time. <laughs> Absolutely. It was so nice. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Like I said, thank you. Thank you. wants to reach out, I'm sure you can provide some contact information. I'll sit down and talk to anybody about anything. Awesome. Dr. Alexander, well, this was amazing. I am so grateful for the time that you gave us today to share all of the insights of detox, living in a toxic world, all of the above. And I will most definitely see you at the end of June at the International Hyperbaric Conference 2021. Absolutely. It's going to be a great conference. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see you. And there's so much to talk about. Maybe we'll do something live at the conference. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of knowledge there. Yes. People you meet from everywhere. So yeah, being mm -hmm. at the IHA conference in June, mm -hmm. we're going to learn even more. And who knows what we'll talk about next. Absolutely. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Into the Light with Crazy Kate. Make sure to check out all new episodes released bi-weekly. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. You can also check me out online at intothelightwithcrazykate.com. And that's Kate spelled C-A-I-T. And give a follow on Instagram at intothelight.podcast. Into the Light with Crazy Kate is a TH3 Entertainment Production. Into the Light with Crazy Kate should be used for informational purposes only and should not be considered a recommendation for or against any specific medical treatments. Please contact your healthcare provider or Inlight Hyperbarics directly to see what therapies, if any, might be appropriate for you and your specific situation.